0: Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Here's your host, Jason Miller.
1: Welcome to the show. My guests today are Chip George, the Vice President for U.S. Public Sector at Nutanix, and Juliana Vita, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Chip, Juliana, great to talk to you both again. Hi, Jason. Yeah, glad to be here with uh, you and Juliana. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion today. Agencies will continue to exist in a multi-cloud world for the foreseeable future, but what is changing is how agencies need to protect that multi-cloud environment from cyber threats. Experts say during the pandemic, three trends emerged around cybersecurity, probably more than three, but here's the three that they pointed out. First, the acceleration of digital services increased the threat surface, putting assets and infrastructure at risk. Second, the risk to systems and data expanded with more employees working remotely. And third, there was a huge global, global surge in malicious cyber attacks. While agencies initially turned to virtual private networks and other security tools to secure those networks and data, moving forward, agencies will need a more sophisticated tool set and they'll need more sophisticated approaches to deal with the complexity of their networks. And they'll need to continually improve their security posture. This has to happen while also reducing infrastructure friction and accelerating incident response and mitigation times. Now, one of ways, now one of the ways to do that, stay ahead of threats, ensure your infrastructure meets your mission needs is through advanced data analytics. So how can agencies continue to improve their cyber postures and deliver mission needs? Well, that's where my guests come in. once again, my guests are Chip George, the Vice President of US Public Sector for Nutanix and Juliana Vita, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Let me just start at the beginning. The the cybersecurity challenge is never ending. It's always growing. It's hard for agencies to kind of keep up with this challenge. So what should they do? Let me start with Chip, what what should they do? How should they address all these changes that are coming this constant need to, to increase your cyber posture?
0: Yeah, thanks, Jason. Again, very happy to be here and participate in uh, the discussion around this critical issue. Obviously, cybersecurity has just been absolutely skyrocketing in performance for a handful of years. Uh, and then, um, as you mentioned, a number of things happened recently. The the nation state actors implementing threats, advanced hacks through the patching and update scenarios that we've seen. Um the pandemic, as, as you said, happening, basically all that happening at the same time with that attack surface expansion that came with that with all these groups of people, huge swaths of people working from home. Uh, those things just in, increased the importance for cybersecurity. And for us, the, the important part at Nutanix as an infrastructure and solution provider uh, and partnering with companies like Splunk is to, to basically take all this extra data that's collected as these problems got bigger and bigger and these hacks got more extensive uh, and basically improve the way people were doing uh, the underlying infrastructure part of that, Jason. And really, we think that's gonna continue. If you look at the some of the surveys that we've done, uh, we've seen 71% of agencies say that they didn't have a ton of people working from home, but, uh, now that number is down to 4% that they are seeing and will maintain those groups of people working from home. So the problem's gotten a lot bigger with cybersecurity. And again, keeping the underlying infrastructure running more recently.
1: You bring up the expansion of telework, and, and maybe one of the questions that, that we hear time and again is why is that so much harder, right? I mean, if I, I'm going in through my VPN, I'm, I have a laptop that my agency gave me. So hopefully it's hardened and I can't go to sites that I shouldn't go to what is it about that infrastructure that 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 is put at a bigger risk because more people are coming from the outside?
0: Yeah, what what's happened on that note uh, is two things. There are things about the infrastructure, as you ask, uh, but there's also just the ability to monitor what those people are doing to respond to that increased threat. That's been the stress on the underlying infrastructure. So Again, let me me take those things in order. As you said, there's been basically just different ways that people are accessing the network. If an agency was used to a small percentage of people working from home once in a while, once per week, and they were accessing it over a particular laptop that was hardened through a VPN that was tested just for that, well, that was all blown up. When 90% of your workforce all of a sudden has to work from home, and again, at the very beginning, it was 100% for some agencies, except for, you know, literally on-prem, you know, security operations center or network operations centers, they had to absolutely change and expand their VPNs rapidly. There are people accessing important, you know, mission-critical applications over their home networks that it run over cable providers, what have you. So, Jason, it just those network challenges got harder. The way to respond to those is to be able to monitor all of these different and enhanced and uh, increased connections, and that just meant more data. So very simply, companies like Splunk that we partner with will take care of that, if you will, at least the gathering of the data to address those threats, but the amount of data just went up to such a great degree that that's what put stress for us in the underlying infrastructure.
1: Juliana, j- jump in here because I think, you know, one of the things that Splunk does well, and, and I know if I'm talking to you in the past, people can't think of Splunk as just a data company, the cybersecurity piece that you all are providing is, is a huge uh, benefit for a lot of agencies and a lot of other organizations. Walk me through what you saw about the data and, and how to look for that needle in the, the stack of needles.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jason. And um, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to re- refresh or remind everyone of a couple of the words that Chip has used and that you use that I think tie into you know where Splunk comes in and what we've seen. And those two words are complexity and acceleration. Uh, there has this time in the pandemic when um, there was a pressurization and a, an imperative for organizations to ask different questions and take different actions um, than they did a year ago. And that was you know people used to ask in terms of cloud, they used to ask. Should we move to the cloud? Is it secure enough? Are we gonna save money? And a lot of the, the pandemic pushing organizations to this broader remote work and to these uh, remote delivery of services kind of left those questions moot. It, it wasn't a matter of whether they should move to the cloud or not, but they but they had to. And so the, the migration to cloud, as Chip said, it just expanded the attack surface, made things more complex. And where Splunk or you know data platforms like Splunk come in are that the, they provided that backbone to allow The gathering of all the data that was now coming in from more vectors and maybe some bad actors and more people logging in from the home network, and to to build to bring those advanced data analytics capabilities to allow organizations and people to be productive, um, even while they were managing through this new complexity, this new acceleration of moving to the cloud. Um, Chip mentioned, you know, 90% of some organizations. Well, most organizations had to move 90% of people to working remotely. And I just, I argue that um, that could not be possible without leveraging modern technology, modern infrastructures, um, particularly we're talking here about um, commercial cloud solutions. So I'll give you one example the Department of Defense, you know, the largest and most complex global federal agency out there with more missions than you can count people all over the place. Um, I used to be on the inside as a government civilian in the DoD, and I can tell you that several years ago in meetings in the DoD, if a commercial cloud vendor came in and started talking about, hey, the department should uh, consider commercial cloud opportunities, it was like, you know, we were like the villagers with the pitchforks and the torches going after the poor person saying, we're never going to do that. The department's never going to, it's not going to be secure enough, it's, it's going to be expensive. Well, now, you know, during the pandemic, there was no other option. And fortunately, today's leaders in the DOD, at the DOD CIO level and at DISA and at other organizations got together and they quickly just obliterated the myth that it couldn't be done. They, they came together and said, we've got to give our people a productivity, a way to be productive. And they called it CVR, Commercial Virtual Remote Environment. Emphasis on commercial. You now it's, it's a hybrid environment, but it certainly included more commercial capabilities than the department had ever embraced before. And boom, they were able to keep their people productive. Um, yes, it's still complex. Yes, there's a lot of cybersecurity concerns, but, but cloud technology will allow the department to leverage um, all the more of the beauty of cloud and what it provides than they could have ever done on their own with a patchwork of legacy systems. Um, so that's, that's actually, I look at the DoD as a, just an example of um, you can break down all those man made barriers and all those assumptions about what can't be done. And, but a commercial cloud solution and commercial um, big data platforms like Splunk have to be part of that solution.
0: Yeah, and when they are, Jason, that's that's we've absolutely seen this time and again since the pandemic started. Is when Splunk is in there in a big way and expanding to address all those concerns, the stress on the uh, the underlying network. If they've gone multi-cloud and multi-site and work from home, uh, all that data has caused, uh, and we have seen the lesson learned here has caused stress on the network that that takes away from what they want to do, which is address the threats and focus on the actionable intelligence. And that's that's what uh, we're trying to convey, that what we've seen is you've got to figure out a way in a, a model that, that, that brings together or converges a bunch of the major things that you're attacking in the data center, simplifies that, and lets people focus on what they want to focus on, which is the cybersecurity threats.
1: I imagine when you talk about this hybrid cloud environment as well, that when you talk about the complexity, you need the visibility you need, security you need, you need that kind of that that data from multiple sensors, from multiple clouds. Juliana, talk a little bit about what should agencies be thinking about? What should they be doing to really kind of address that visibility, security challenges?
2: Yeah, um, it was hard enough before uh, moving to complex multi-cloud environments, it was hard enough for agencies to kind of think about how do we manage even moving some stuff to a cloud? Uh, There are organizations that are just in different places in their maturity journey in terms of moving applications to the cloud. It's not as easy as just flipping a switch and saying, we were legacy yesterday in a data center and now everything is in the cloud. Um, And it's not always done in a linear way either. So most organizations start by lifting and we say lifting and shifting their existing applications into a cloud infrastructure. Um, and then once they're in there, then they refactor some applications or they break them up into smaller components. So there's like a, there's a journey. It's not just, like I said, it's not just legacy one day cloud the next day. Well, that's hard enough when agencies are talking about one cloud. But today we know that most organizations are working with, um, they either have it in production or they're testing the average of 7.3 public and private clouds. Um, You know, that's a big challenge. Think about just all the different management challenges and configuration management and application, rationalization and everything that has to go along there. So when, When we talk about that complexity, you use the word observability or visibility. And that's another benefit that a full data platform like Splunk provides is that it doesn't just help organizations see into one of those clouds in that multi-cloud environment, but across all of those clouds. And other platforms aren't gonna do, You know, one I'm not gonna drop any names, but specific cloud vendors out there are not gonna help customers look into their competing cloud vendors environment and help find like where, where they can make tweaks or where they can make adjustments or where there might be cybersecurity challenges but that's where a i'll call it a neutral data platform like splunk can help customers look across those different cloud environments provided by different cloud vendors and give a full view of you know where there can be tweaks where applications can be moved and changed uh, microservices Incorporated, et cetera, and so, um, like Chip has said, you know, having Splunk as part of that solution, it really does help agencies be more efficient and effective in how they work in these multi-cloud environments because that's not gonna—it's not gonna get less complex. It's going to continue to be more complex, but leveraging the full full data platform is a, um, with a full visibility and observability it baked in is the way that organizations need to be thinking about doing that.
0: Yeah, and Jason, I, I would just add if. if, if if you don't mind, uh, that, that as you go to uh, a multi-cloud or hybrid cloud environment, and certainly in the federal government, but also all around the world, uh, organizations that, that, that look at IT trends like Gartner are saying that that is the ongoing model, that for the foreseeable future, as Juliana mentioned, it's not going to be you know flip a switch, you're all in the cloud, right? And certainly in the federal government, that's what we've seen, that, that you, you look at certain applications, you put them in the cloud where you can um, but you're not. It, you're going to be in a hybrid cloud environment. But as that, just like sending a lot of people home and working from there, working in a, a hybrid cloud environment creates that need for a visit, for observability and visibility. It creates a, a bigger attack surface to manage from a cybersecurity standpoint. And I would just add that that you have to have the same kind of zero trust approach that you would in, in, in that, that many organizations are busy implementing, that you would just in an on-prem environment, it just gets more complicated, right? So, so more data is collected when you're, when you're analyzing all those different environments, as I mentioned earlier, but not just bringing in all that data, but how you bring that data in and how you segment it as part of a zero trust uh, framework is something that we've seen really benefit people. Right, and that that generically that's called micro segmentation. But you're bringing in data from all these places, and as part of zero trust, what you want to do is say, hey, if I have that data brought in, but I get a hack, if someone's actually breached the network. I don't want them to have access to all of that. So you want that almost firewalled experience down at the VM level, or the data that all this extra data you brought in is now separated and walled off in that micro segmented way, and hopefully implemented and managed in a easy to consume way as easy as possible. That is uh, in that micro segmentation. And that's all part of zero trust, which I think is, as I'm saying, just as important, if not more important as you get to a hybrid cloud model. All
1: right, Chip, you opened the door. We're going to walk through it, but not until next segment when we talk more about zero trust and other ways that agencies can, can start to figure out the cyber challenge. First, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the it innovation insider sponsored by Nutanix on federal news network.
0: A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with the legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use Use whatever technology stack suits them, and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit Nutanix.com
1: freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Chip George, the Vice President of U.S. Public Sector at Nutanix, and Juliana Vida, the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. In the last segment, Chip, you mentioned zero trust, uh, one of those terms that we hear a lot about. I think hopefully by now people understand that it's a concept, it's a framework, it's not a piece of technology, and it's not one piece of technology, but an ideal that agencies are working toward through things like, and I'm sure we'll get into it, uh, CDM and and other tools. Juliana, jump in here a little bit and talk a little bit about zero trust because data is the key to successful zero trust implementation.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, and thanks for laying out what Zero Trust is and what it's not, because you're right. I think people are, are figuring that out to framework. One thing I like to I've, I've been doing lately that I think um, helps to frame what it actually means is to put is to use an analogy. So at Splunk and other you know other organizations, we're thinking of data as a precious asset, a strategic asset, something that we value quite a bit. So think about something else that we, we all value. And that's children, our children and them going to school. So think of um, back in the old days when your kids went to school and think of it at like an elementary school, little little kids, okay? Because that just makes it feel more, I don't know. It's like they're more precious in some way. So they used to go to school. And if you as a parent had to go visit the school or do something, you'd go to the front office, you'd show your ID and you'd probably sign some kind of visitor log. And then you were in the school. Like there was no, you know, gates and guards and stuff all throughout the school. This is the old days. And you could wander around wherever you wanted. You were trusted. You did one authentication at the front office and then you were in. You could go to the gym, you could go to the cafeteria, teachers, you know, classroom, um, et cetera. But then over time, bad things started happening in schools. There were school shootings. There was all this bad stuff. So over time, schools added physical controls, gates, guards, um, badges, et cetera. And so now, People can't just go in and wander around aimlessly. They're kind of checked at all different places to make sure they're going, they're they're supposed to be where they want to go. So think of your data in that regard. Now data is the precious asset in this analogy. And you want to protect it when other people are trying to get at it. Okay. So now with these expanded attack surfaces, it's not just your network and, and one, you know, trusted people can authenticate one time and get in the front door and wander all around. You've got bad actors coming in. You have assets plugging into your network that you don't manage people's people's um, personal devices. You have Wi-Fi access points that your employees might be using to, to use to, to connect their either their personal device or their government-issued device to a network somewhere, and on and on and on. So the idea is that each one of those, at each one of those points, every one of those assets must be verified and must be put through some kind of a- analytics to decide. Should they be trusted? Do, should they be allowed to come in? So that that kind of I think that helps give people a framework of what are we talking about? You know, when we talk about a zero trust framework, and from that perspective, data truly is is the key element. And if and if you're not protecting it and shielding it and leveraging it in the right way all throughout um, throughout an, an ecosystem or an environment, there's going to be a breach somewhere, and you're going to lose control. So. For Splunk specifically, in the zero trust framework, there are several different capabilities, several different things that happen in a zero trust environment. There is constant monitoring. There is automation and orchestration. There is, you know, cybersecurity and um, network monitoring. And, and there's like uh, there's a fr- there's several frameworks that are out there. One Forrester, one in uh, Nest framework, and you can take a look at them. But Splunk pretty much covers them all, except for uh, maybe identity management is not really our, our core capability or network monitoring, but but all those other functions in there, the advanced capability, I'm sorry, the advanced analytics, the Splunk platform provides those capabilities. But back to what Chip, and Chip was talking about earlier, like with Nutanix and Splunk, different vendors work together and provide different capabilities that, that create that zero trust framework. It's not just one vendor, it's not just one product or tool. Um, so, that's, that's like the slunk angle of going after zero trust, which is focus on the data, the data layer, but there's got to be interaction with other capabilities um, that provide different kinds of protection and capability for the data running around inside the environment, if that helps, Jason.
1: I, I think it does, but I, I think the, the what people, I think, get hung up on is, well, what data is good? What data should I trust? Uh, I heard the old... You know, it's no longer trust, but, but verify it's never trust and always verify. And I think the only way to do that is by knowing what data you have and then what data makes sense for you to look into. Do you get those questions from agencies? Well, I have all this data. What do, I can't look at it all. What's most important or how do I prioritize?
2: Right. I mean, we get those questions all the time. And frankly, that's the reason Splunk was created was to solve that problem of, I can't even find all my data. I don't even know where all of it is. So there, again, back to a robust full end-to-end data platform with visibility across, like Splunk, is really the only way to go because the, the pace at which the data is being created, I mean, look at all the data we each create as human beings every day. On our phone and on our laptop and on our whatever else device, um, we're all doing it. We're all generating data, and there's bad people out there. There's good people who have they make mistakes. You know, maybe they don't have uh, good cybersecurity hygiene um, habits at, at home or at work. And so, back to this visibility, this having visibility across an environment and where all the data is, it just cannot be done anymore with old legacy technologies that are patchwork together. There's just too much complexity and um, attack surface to cover without using modern read cloud or, you know modern technologies in uh, in the stack, if you will.
1: Chip, jump in here a little bit because I think zero trust gets a lot of discussion but it's not the end all be all and it's, it's a journey toward that zero trust. I think as you heard Juliana say there's so many different capabilities that can be part of it. Constant monitoring, automation, orchestration and you mentioned ID, identity management. How do you get your infrastructure ready to, to take on all these new capabilities, or what, what are some of the steps you're seeing agencies take? Yeah, the steps and the lessons learned, uh, if you will,
0: Jason, from us at Nutanix as an infrastructure solution in a cloud or a hybrid cloud environment uh, or on-prem, have been around the the kinds of things that that you guys are both saying that the deluge of data out there is huge and you need that. And, And great tools like Splunk will help you sort through it and figure out exactly what's going on and where you have threats and, You know, even in in a post uh, uh, hack, you know, allow you to trace back what happened, but you can't do all that if you're not collecting the data from all those different sources. And that's the problem that that the lessons learned we've seen is that people have to have an underlying infrastructure that's easy to use, easy to scale out, that makes all those core functions in the data center from setting up servers and setting up storage and setting up virtualization and setting up the networking that connects the servers to the storage, all those things captured under one OS and made simplified is something that uh, we've seen people use and asking for a ton more in the last year as this pandemic accelerated all these cybersecurity issues. And then, as I said, once you've got that underlying infrastructure there and it's scaling to handle that, well, you've also then got to take an opportunity to to gather all that data and segment it down. So in case you do get breached, you don't have a problem where that 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 hack can easily migrate from one set of data to another. And then lastly, if a hack has been so bad, Jason, you've got to be able to recover. That's sort of an adjunct to a zero trust, which is kind of looking at the problem up front. But if it has failed and you've got a real problem, a ransomware, you know, what have you, you need to be able to recover. And that is a disaster recovery, a DR, a, a continuity of operations, you know, a DR COOP kind of situation. uh, And that's a best practice and the lessons learned that we've seen as well. You've got to have an answer for that.
1: Chip, let's talk a little bit about that disaster recovery piece, because I know we were doing some reach outs around disaster recovery in the cloud and a lot of agencies seem to be just starting. There doesn't seem to be a huge amount of of agencies telling us, oh, we're doing that today. It's it's, we're just starting on that path. Is, Is that the next, if you will, big thing that we should pay attention to? Or is it something that's already happening because if you're in the cloud, you should have disaster recovery set up.
0: Yeah, I mean, very simply, I would say that we're seeing people exactly the same place that, that you're hearing, Jason, that disaster recovery still is not exactly what they would like it to be, right? There's two different phases of disaster recovery. One is just having a safe copy of your data someplace else. Two is having a safe copy of your data someplace else that you can immediately fail over and use. That is a journey right? It'd be better if you had the, the cybersecurity problems addressed at the forefront, so you never had to do that. But the fact is you need to prepare for it. People know that, but they're partway there. The cloud has helped. Sometimes cloud acts as a off-prem disaster recovery site. Sometimes you're failing over from a cloud to another cloud. These make all of those issues complex. What makes it easier is if you could have the same operating system, the same OS that does all of those core functions, you know, server, storage, networking, virtualization, and have that same OS in the cloud that you could recover to right away, that's where we're seeing people go, that's what we're seeing people ask about, especially in these big data-intensive apps uh, like Splunk that we're working with.
1: Juliana, we're just about out of time. Before I let you go, I'll give you the last word on on our discussion today, which I've enjoyed very much. What's our big takeaway? What should agencies keep in mind as as they think about securing this hybrid multi-cloud environment?
2: One thing that agencies need to be looking at is the help that has come. You know, people have always said, oh, we don't have enough money. We don't have, you know, we don't have the right policy or authority. Well, all those things are in place now. <laughs> so with the you know, CARES Act funding and Technology Modernization Fund, um, I was just talking to a DOD leader last week, and I mentioned the Technology Modernization Fund and the new $1 billion injection of additional funding that's in there, and he hadn't even heard of the TMF. Um, unfortunately, the DOD historically hasn't taken advantage of it, but now I think that it has $1 billion associated with it. More people uh, are paying attention and taking note. That money is an available resource right now to do the things like Chip was just discussing uh, with DR capabilities and COOP. Agencies have those plans. They've had to have those plans for a long time, but putting them into practice costs money. And for a lot of agencies, they didn't have the money. Well, now you do. So I would say that's the lesson. Take advantage of the resources that are out there and and put that money to good use right now um, because the people that created those funds want you to do that. That's and amazing. there's
1: about a billion dollars. There's a lot of money there for you to take advantage of. So, so I think that's good advice. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guests. Chip George is the Vice President for U.S. Public Sector at Nutanix. Chip, always pleasure to talk to you.
0: Thanks, Jason. Great to be here.
1: And Juliana Vita is the Chief Technical Advisor for Public Sector at Splunk. Juliana, same. Always good to catch up.
2: Likewise, Jason, and good to see you too, Chip.
1: I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the IT Innovation Insider, sponsored by Nutanix on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search IT Innovation Insider.
0: Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Network, 1500 AM and federalnewsnetwork.com. Today's episode can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword NTNX.